Hello, my friends. Interesting show today. You know, we had reporters in Ottawa where there was a big pro and con dueling protests over transgenderism, but there was a wrinkle that was just, boy, it was interesting. I think you'll you'll find the video footage fascinating. Uh, that's our show today. But first, I, I want to invite you to get the video version of this podcast because I want you to see it. You've got to see it. There is an image that cannot be described. You must see it with your eyes. You can get the video version of this podcast by going to rebelnewsplus.com. It's eight bucks a month. You get my nightly show um, in video form. Sheila's got a weekly show too. And the eight bucks a month, I know that's not a ton of dough to you, but to us, it really adds up. That's how we pay our bills because we don't take any money from Trudeau. Go to rebelnewsplus.com. All right, here's today's show. Tonight, a scuffle breaks out at dueling protests over transgenderism, but there's a surprising wrinkle to it. It's June 9th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Shame on you, you censorious bug. I saw this tweet today by a journalism professor, so you can imagine what he's like. His name is Sean Dern, and he says, anti-2SLGBTQ plus hate on display in Canada's capital today, along with substantial community pushback. As usual, Ottawa police stand idly by and watch while alt-right and religious extremists break the law. Also note, Ottawa police Twitter logo includes pride colors. Shameful! Now, Professor Dern it's pretty easily excitable, so you know, it's not the first time he's said things like this. Here is a tweet from about a year ago. He said the trucker protest is based on lies, hate speech, and white supremacy. Even the Canadian and Ontario Truckers Association want nothing to do with them. 90% of Canada's truckers are vaxxed. The other 10% can get vaxxed or get another job. Yeah, now those facts aren't true, but you can see the good journalism professor calls anyone he doesn't like white supremacists. In fact, as you know, many truckers are of Indo-Canadian descent or, or they're indigenous. It was quite a diverse group at the trucker convoy, and no, they weren't 90% vaxxed. That's propaganda, which is not surprising from a journalism professor. And even if they were vaxxed, the point of the trucker convoy was freedom, uh, bodily autonomy, make your own decision. That used to be something the left cared about. In another tweet, the same professor calls truckers domestic terrorists, so... He is a bit excitable, but let's compare the professor's tweet. And I, I just selected him pretty much at random from dozens of angry Ottawa leftists. Let's compare with reality. I'm going to show you a few video clips <clears throat> from the fracas, but I think this one is the most gripping. I mean, it really is quite startling. Uh, here's a tweet from our friend Rupa Supermania, who was down there covering it. By the way, she did a great job covering the trucker convoy, too. She says, parents and their kids protesting and chanting, leave our kids alone. They are amused at the white supremacist far-right label. Interesting. Now, that's pretty tame, though. I want to show you a little bit more. This is also from Rupa. She says, this mother and daughter are furious that gender ideology is being taught at schools. At one point, Antifa pushed the mother to the ground. Now, that's crazy. I, 
I would like to get a, a video of that. I couldn't find it today, but here's the mother and daughter talking about leave our kids alone. So we are here today against this pride thing, the whole thing that is going on in school. They're teaching our children that um, a guy with a guy is okay and a girl, and the girl, girl with a girl, girl is okay. okay. It's no, not it's about not okay. religion about anymore. The it's about uh, the kids. Our kids now. Our kids are learning stuff they're not supposed to be learning at this age. And if they My are kids. They are baby. I don't know like how yeah. how they let them learn like this. This is stuff. I have a brother that is in kindergarten and learning about this stuff. This is just not proper uh, appropriate anymore. The, the um, one in KG two, not yeah. every day, but they have it in June twenty one. But this one is in grade two, and, and every day they every have a story day. and story. different story about the animal first about the human being and after about the animal and he came and he explained for me like it the kid doesn't know what is mean they came and they asked for mother dad like what is mean mama what they're doing what's mean so when you would have you spoken to the teachers have you spoken to the school we did and they were like oh it's it's just one day it's going one day one day in june 21 brother, and brother, after i find my brother after I find my son, like he's going, make a story every day. The teachers yeah, they're making a story every, every day. And me, I stop my kids. I don't want them to send them for the school yeah. anymore. So what do in you... the beginning of the in, yeah. in June, all yeah. the June, I leave the June for them. Let them teach the other kids if their parents they like the kids to go there and teach them. My me, I protect my kids. I don't want them to go anymore to school. I think this family, given their hijabs is very socially conservative, very sexually conservative. I'm not sure if they think gay rights or gay sex is acceptable in any form. I don't know. I'm just speculating. But what they are saying is they're focused on children, children as young as kindergarten. You heard that, Mom. She doesn't want her kids to go to school anymore because she can't believe what is being taught as a surprise to her. All right, but look at this. It's another tweet. Young Muslim kids stomp the pride flag as their mothers cheer them on. All right, we're here currently at the protest. We got a bunch of young kids here with their Arab parents, and they are stomping the pride flag here at the protest. The Arab community is sending a message, I believe, to the woke that they are not accepting of this, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, yes. Any message you'd like to send today? To just she says, ladies and gentlemen, leave the kids alone. Leave the kids alone, she says. And that one lad had a poster saying male, female, and homeschool. I'm not sure exactly what that poster means, but I think it's safe to say if those kids aren't being homeschooled now, they will be, or maybe they'll go to a Muslim school, of which there are many in Ottawa. We saw a mass boycott of schools the other day in Ottawa. CTV reported that some schools had 60% of the kids kept home by their parents. That is a huge rebellion. I think most of the ethnic communities uh, with this in mind wouldn't go to a street protest. I just don't think new Canadians are that likely to go to a protest like this today. They would just do what those kids are suggesting. They'll just pull their kids out of school, take them out for a bit, take them out forever, homeschool them or, or do it in a, in a Muslim school. Here's what the official school boards are saying. And this is a letter from Stephen Leckie. Ontario's Minister of Education, who says he's a conservative. I'll quote just a, a bit from it. She's, he says, it is incumbent on all school boards to ensure all students, most especially 2SLGBTQ plus students, 
feel supported, reflected in their schools, and welcomed within our communities. That includes celebrating pride in a constructive, positive, and meaningful way to affirm that two SLGBTQ plus students know that their educators and staff, school board administrators, and government stand with them. We firmly believe that all publicly funded schools must be safe spaces for all children, regardless of race, heritage, faith, sexuality, and gender. Well, that's the trick, isn't it? That last part there, a safe space for gender activism, and for Islam. Can you do both those same things? Those moms don't think so. Here's the BC Minister of Education, who's even tougher. Uh, she uses the language of prosecutions. Let me read. In 2016, the BC Human Rights Code was amended to ensure that gender identity and expression are protected under the code. All schools must comply with the Human Rights Code and demonstrate they are creating safe, welcoming, and inclusive environments for our students and staff. It's another way of saying, do the trans thing or be prosecuted. I mean, there's no other way to, to read that. I think, of course, the far bigger weapon that's used all the time, not rarely, used ubiquitously is, is social pressure, cancel culture, that sort of thing. Shaming someone on Twitter, boycotting someone, telling them they're a bad person, people who don't want to be alienated from the establishment. That was a tactic used against established Canadians who cared about those sorts of things. It was used to shame them into getting back. It's used now. But what if you're not part of the establishment at all? What if you're not on Twitter? What if you don't care about peer pressure? What if you're not at a job from which you can get fired? What if you're a Muslim mom who is fairly new to Canada and you're adjusting to this country still? And there's a, still, and there's a lot of great things about Canada, a lot of things that are stretching you beyond your safe place, your norm, especially compared to your home country. But this is just a bridge too far. If you're one of those Muslim moms, do you really give a care what Stephen Lecce says or what Twitter says about you? You're just not in that social circle. They, they can't ban you. You don't work outside the home anyway, so they can't fire you. You are resistant to the woke mob. You don't even know about them. They wouldn't even know how to get to you in your language, let alone. Isn't you don't even care about them. You don't even know that they're being mean to you because you don't follow them on social media. You're just in a different circuit. But here's the interesting part. The woke people, they don't know how to fight the Muslim moms. How do you fight against a mom in the hijab speaking in an Arabic accent? How do you fight against cute Muslim kids doing something that would cause a heart attack on the left, stomping on pride flags? I mean, just the other day in London, Ontario, a high school kid apparently defaced a pride flag. You can deface the statue of Sir John A. Macdonald. You can deface Queen Victoria. You can tear up the Canadian flag. But don't you dare touch the holy relic of the woke movement. Seriously, police are looking for that hate crime. So how do you go full hate crime investigation with police against a white Christian, I presume, who defaces a pride flag in London, but turn a blind eye when visible minority Muslim kids do this public stomping with the approval of their parents? Again, if those were white kids, the Children's Aid Society would be paying them a visit. Don't laugh. I don't exaggerate. That's exactly what Ottawa police threatened to do to the truckers if they had kids with them. I think that the government trying to take Muslim kids away from their parents for political reasons would probably be the worst political miscalculation since hiring David Johnson to look into Chinese influence. It's not going to happen. But back to the journalism professor's tweet. 
Police stand idly by and watch while alt-right and religious extremists break the law. Alt-right? That's code for white racists, white supremacists. Is that what those kids were? Were they religious extremists? Are they talking about those kids or their moms? They sure talk about white supremacists and white this and white that. But let's be candid. It's the white moms and dads who are generally rolling over and submitting to the pride political machine because they're worried about being canceled or seeming ghosts. They are plugged into society, to the establishment. They are on Twitter. They are on Facebook. They can be shamed. There were white protesters. I, I'm, I'm not the one who brought race into this, but the other side did, so let's just talk about it. The whitest of all, of course, were the pro-pride, pro-trans activists and their Antifa street gangs who attacked the peaceful protesters on the other side. Here's a video filmed by our friend Beth Bache of the Post Millennial. It shows the two sides. I, I think this is a great little video that she made. Which side was more diverse? Which one is hiding their faces? This is from the Post Millennial. surprise, Ottawa police actually did detain some of the Antifa thugs. Um, we'll see if they're immediately released without charges, which is what I suspect will happen. Contrast that to being jailed for 50 days like Tamara Leach was. Now, the protest on the other side did include a few white men, all apologies, namely billboard Chris Elston, who we talked to the other day. Um, but he literally just stands with this big billboard on him and engages in calm conversation. Here's just a clip of that. The message we should be sending our children is that there's no right way to be a boy or girl. They are beautiful just as they are. No drugs or scalpels needed. We need to get this harmful ideology out of our schools. Today's a watershed moment. We're going to have more of these events. More Canadians are waking up every day. And more importantly, more Canadians are speaking up every day. So thank you so much for coming out. This is going to be day, a day we all look back in history and say this is a turning point for defeating gender ideology in Canada. Thank you. And would you look at that? Here he is with one of his billboards. He's standing with a trans person and a gay person. Why would they do that? Why would they stand with a hater like that? Well, because they agree with this message. Children cannot decide to do these things. Children cannot make these decisions. Irrevocable decisions. Puberty blockers, hormones, even surgery. You can be a trans person, you can be a gay person, and not want children carved up like pumpkins, as Sheila Gunn-Reed calls it. So how's this busy day in Ottawa going to be reported? We had a reporter there, and a cameraman will carry the reports for you. We already have some up on our website. We'll have more. I saw other independent media there, too. 
the post-millennial that I mentioned, True North, Counter Signal, we were there. Rupa Subramania was there. One or two others. So there was a lot of independent people there. And I think, you know, we hired two bodyguards for our people because we knew Antifa would be there. Uh, our friend Harrison Faulkner from True North was roughed up a little bit uh, because Antifa hates anyone who isn't a propagandist for them. Look at what Rupa said. She had a picture of this guy. She said, approach this guy who is pro-gender ideology and part of the counter-protest to ask questions, said he wouldn't speak to a journalist who is not CBC or CTV. <laughs> well, exactly. By the way, being trans is not the underdog. I mean, it's actually the ultimate establishment ideology. Every government, every flagpole, every corporation, every university, every media outlet is fully in sync. Every brand from Bud Light on down. It's, it's the contrarians, the independents who are speaking out against it. And, you know, independent journalism has a voice and it's a growing voice, but I bet I know what the front page of the Ottawa Citizen will look like tomorrow and what the CBC and CTV will report tonight. I mean, there's really no need to guess. You've already heard from the journalism professor in charge of ideologically shaping the next generation of reporters for the regime. I don't think, I could be wrong, but I don't think you will see a picture of that Muslim lady and her kids stomping on the flags on the front page, even though it's a perfect photo. It's colorful, cute kids stomping on flags. It's shocking and arresting at the same time. I could be wrong, but I do not think that incredibly telegenic photo will be shown in the mainstream media because it's just too much of a challenge of a paradox for the woke mindset. Best to pretend it never happened. Best to pretend that wokeism can embrace both Islam and transgenderism. Best to pretend that it was just a bunch of violent right-wing Christian white guys. Stay with us for more. You know, one of the most interesting courses I ever took in the university was uh, called Biopolitics. It was a very controversial class. It was taught by Dr. Tom Flanagan at the University of Calgary. I doubt it would ever be taught these days. It is simply too controversial. In that class, Dr. Flanagan tried to explain certain things that we see in life. Why is it that there are more women in teaching and more men in construction? Why are there more men in certain kinds of politics or certain at least high levels of politics than women? Is there a biological reason for any of that? And he dared to say, yes, there is. And I'll sum up the course very briefly. You know, a bell curve, right? The average person is in the middle, but one or two standard deviations out, you have the extremes. And what happens if you have two bell curves that are very close together, the average woman, let's say, and the average man, let's say, the difference in strength or speed between the average is not that much. In fact, there'd be a fair number of women who are stronger than a fair number of men. But if you go out one, two, three standard deviations to the absolute strongest person, when you see those two bell curves overlapping, the small difference in the mean has enormous differences at the extreme. By that, I mean an ordinary man might not be much stronger than an ordinary woman. But you're, if you're talking about the absolute strongest men in the world, well, there would be an enormous number of them you would have to go through before you got to the first strongest women. That's just 
biopolitics for you. You might not like it, but it's reality. And so in certain sports, when we're talking about elite athletes, not a recreational league, a beer league, but the best of the best, if you have the best of the best women, that's a great contest. But then if you let men in, in the name of transgenderism, simply put, there will be no more women's sport, at least in those things where men in the median are a little bit stronger because at the edges, it will only be men. That was the course I took 30 years ago in university. And here it is manifested in the pages of the Canadian Powerlifting Union, Trans Inclusion Policy. And that's the thing. If we were talking about chess or checkers, there would be no difference between the physicality of men and women. It's an intellectual game. But if you're talking about powerlifting, well, that is exactly the kind of thing where a man would have an advantage over a woman. Let me read a few excerpts from this new policy. Individuals should be able to participate in the gender with which they identify and not be subject to requirements for disclosure of personal information. Individuals should not be required to disclose their trans identity or history. So you just have to express that you're a woman. You don't have to prove it. You certainly don't have to be on a surgery or a med. You must, Section 4D says, refer to individuals by their preferred name and pronoun. Even if there's a six-foot-four bloke there, you got to call him ma'am. And here's, I think, the most Orwellian part, Section 3, the purpose of this policy is that all individuals deserve respectful and inclusive environments for participation and facilities in which they feel comfortable and safe. Really? Is it inclusive when men can dominate women's sports and change in their change room? It's inclusive to everyone except women. I'm angry about this. And one of the reasons is I happen to know someone who is being targeted by these rules her name is April Hutchison. She is a real woman and a power lifter, but she has no chance, despite her training and her strength, to beat the fellas who come in and say, oh, I'm a girl now. April joins us via Skype from London, Ontario. April, welcome back to the show. Have I properly summed up the new trans inclusion policy that now governs your Canadian powerlifting union? Yes, sadly, that is the uh, transgender policy. It sounds absolutely unlimited, like literally anyone can show up and say, I'm a gal. Mm -hmm. And they and this specifically says they do not have to disclose any other personal information, nor should there be any requirement for hormonal therapy or surgery. So it, it really is that South Park episode where Randy, the Macho Man Savage, <laughs> that that wrestler with a beard comes in and talks like that, and you just say you're a girl, and you can compete. That's not even sport anymore. No, that, well, that's exactly what happened, I think, about two months ago. I'm not sure if you saw that, Ezra. Uh, Avi Silverberg, he's a ex-Team uh, Canada coach, uh, terrific powerlifter. He actually was trying to make a mockery, and just to show how weak the policy is, he actually just rolled in into the province of Alberta and identified as a female, no questions asked, just walked in and he crushed the bench record 
taking it away from a trans identifying athlete. Like, how crazy does that get? <laughs> well, you know, I, I really, I, I did see that. And there was a, there was a playful sense of humor there driving home a more serious point. He acknowledged, I think, that he was doing it to prove a point. But uh, in terms of him winning and pushing down real women who were competing, the result would be the same. So if he had been deadly serious, April, he would have been allowed to do that. And as you say, he beat another trans athlete. I mean, uh, Silverberg isn't trans. He's just a guy. What did mm -hmm. they do? Did they throw out his win? Did they say, well, I guess he's a gal now? Like, what did they do with his, I'm not going to call it a practical joke, his, his demonstration to prove a point. What did they do with that? Did they throw it out? Well, that's the funny part is people, I was just talking to my friend today who was on the CPU and we were laughing about it because we said, well, when Avi did that, when Avi went in and literally just identified as a female, People thought that was just, oh my God, what an insult. How could he do that? That's horrible. That needs to get thrown out. And we're like, he's not doing anything different than what the other uh, biological male did. So I don't see, it's it's very, as you can see, just the way I've been targeted, it's very just one-sided, right? You, you can't express anything. You're, you're either called a bigot or transphobic. And what he did was appalling. It's just, it's crazy. You know, the part that I hate the most about these rules is the lie. That the CPU, that's the Canadian Powerlifting Union, believes that all individuals do deserve respectful and inclusive environments. It's not inclusive for women if women have to compete against men. That was my whole point about the two bell curves, and I'm not sure if I got too statistics-oriented there. But the fact is, Avi Silberberg, who sounds like he's got a great uh, sense of humor, I'm guessing he is not the strongest powerlifter in the men's category. He might not even be in the top 100. I, but... But that's my point, is because small differences in the average, at the absolute top ends of performance, Avi is, Silverberg is going to be better than even the best woman, just because that's how it is. And the fact that this, the Canadian Powerlifting Union claims that they respect inclusive spaces for women... That's a damnable lie. They are driving women out, whether it's Avi Silverberg in a prank or some trans athlete who's, quote, serious about it. They are ending women's sport. Yeah, literally, they are like they are erasing. They are helping erase women's sports. I was just, um, you know, talking about that today. Like there's so many women like there's women on the ethics board uh, and on the CPU board that are making these decisions and making these policies. Like I shared uh, earlier today, there's a photos of them on social media stating that they support trans lifters. And I just don't understand how they don't see how they are actually taking away not only our safe spaces, but they're taking away, helping take away like our records, our podium spots, like those records that the trans identifying athlete have in Alberta, they'll never be broken by a woman. Another man will have to break those because um, I do think he's going for the national deadlift record at provincials, uh, I think next month. They will never be broken by a woman. So I don't know if someday, you know, we conquer and they actually do stick up for women and they actually do change this, the, the policy. Um, I do hope those records are stripped from that individual, but we'll see. We just have to keep fighting and bringing attention to it. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's so obvious to me, the podium. I mean, typically there's first, second, and third, although there are some other podiums that have more placings on them. I mean, will it take a man, a trans woman, to win first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth? Like, at what point do we say, hey, fellas, there are no more women in the women's side anymore. It's all the losers from the guys' side who couldn't beat the guys, so they've come here as some sort of a consolation prize. Like, seriously, if the top 10 people in the next women's uh, contest are all trans, what is even the point anymore? Why don't you just call it the trans women? Because there will soon be, like, there, there are enough ne'er-do-well, jealous, publicity-seeking, confused men out there that you will fill all the slots that way, whether it's in one year or five years, there will be, no, like, it's not it's not a hypothetical. That You can always find some loser on the men's side who, whether it's as a prank or seriously, is just going to take that glory away from a woman. I'm certain of it. Yeah, well, that's, that's the thing with uh, this particular lifter. They could easily go into a different federation. There is one in Canada called the CPL, and they actually, if you are trans-identifying, you have to compete in the open category or against the um, non-tested people, so people that are on performance-enhancing drugs, steroids. So, I mean, that's a little bit better than what we have. Like CPU has the weakest non-existent policy I've ever that any of these women, like Marshy Smith or Kim Jones, anyone has ever seen. Yeah, it's it's quite embarrassing. So, oh, I, I mean, I, I read it today. I was I was shocked. <laughs> I was shocked by it. Hey, I, I heard that you yourself have been targeted because you've been speaking out. Is that true? Yeah, so since the last time we talked, Ezra, I received um, a written warning back in February about, um, again, it was anonymous complaints. Everything that they've threatened me with has been anonymous, and they haven't actually given me any proof or details. So it's, I'm kind of like, it's very confusing because I have no idea really what I did in the beginning. But the last letter that I received last week was that, um, you know, I, I can't wear my Team Canada uniform and speak on behalf of the CQ, which I never did or have done. And they also told me that I have to use pronouns and basically that the groups that I'm associated with, like um, Marshy or Marshy and Icons and all these groups are all transphobic. So and if I if I don't listen to them or if I don't get back to them and reply to them, they will suspend me. So. I won't be able to be on the team any any longer, basically, if I don't respond. And that's the Canadian team, the, the national team? Yeah, so I made the, the Team Canada this year. I'll be going to North Americans, um, the championships in August. And so they've threatened to take that away from me if I don't basically obey what they say. Well, I can only imagine how terrible that is. They've really put you over a barrel your long-time ambition, hard work, training, and your dreams to be a success at a large level like that. And on the other hand, your psychological uh, and logical and emotional identity, they're forcing you to, to speak what you consider a lie. These are men. You, the idea that they're forcing you to use uh, their language, I mean, that's literally in here. I don't want to have the discussion on TV with you, but if you are in need of a lawyer to assist you in replying to Team Canada, 
Uh, one of the things we do, April, is we often crowdfund lawyers for people who are picked on by institutions that are illiberal. And that's what's happening to you. So I don't propose to have that conversation on the air right now. But um, maybe maybe afterwards, I'll just zip you a, an email or, or a phone call. Because I, I can only imagine th that if they take government money or if they're in any way a government organization, and I'd have to study that more, if they're saying to you, you must call a man a woman, you must say words you don't believe in, that it's contrary to your conscience, that sounds like it's got to be a violation of your civil rights, your charter rights, your freedom of thought, your freedom of uh, perhaps your freedom of religion. It, it strikes me as a violation of your personal dignity. And I just, I just think lawyering up, maybe that's the only language that these people understand. I think part of it is court of public opinion, April. I think part of it is shaming these folks, but another part of it is court of law. And and maybe they'd smarten up if, if someone said, I'm going to take you before a judge. Anyways, I, I can't, that's my style. I like to fight battles. And maybe, I mean, I, I, I know you're very courageous to talk about it, but but maybe- Well, I'm, 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 um, I was talking to Marcy Smith and she actually set up a website called um, I Stand with April, kind okay. of like what Riley Gaines is doing. And we're trying to fund money and take donations for uh, lawyer fees and attorneys and stuff like that. So, I mean, we talk about the psychological damage and abuse. I mean, trust me, I, some days I cry and I'm just like, wow, like, I, I guess what hurts is that, yeah, like, they're trying to control my speech and I, I will not call a man a woman and I will not call a woman a man. And um, the day I do that, then I might as well just give up my fight because that's what they're trying to do is control and for me to say that, because they'll be like, aha, I got you, like, you know, and it's my personal belief and I'll never back down on that. I'll never, ever use pronouns. So, Well, good for you. And uh, I support you. And I'll, I'll get that uh, website URL from you and we'll put it on the bottom of the screen here. Um, you know, I met, uh, I met a former female prisoner. Maybe you know who I'm talking about. Uh, Heather is her name. And she was in prison in Canada and they put self-identifying men who said, no, no, I'm a woman now, in the same prison as these women. I don't know if you know the story. And if these prisoners did not call these men miss or, or ma'am, now it's one thing, I mean, what can they actually do to you? Well, they can destroy your dreams and destroy your career. But if imagine being a prisoner in a cage and if you don't do what the wardens say, they can punish you in so many ways. Plus, you're physically at risk of being assaulted from these men. And it can be held against you for your parole or probation. So that same sort of totalitarian, authoritarian order that you, April Hutchison, must say that these are women. Imagine how much worse it is for uh, a woman in a woman's prison being forced to call a man a woman. It's, this is terrible. And I, I wish you all good luck. I want to keep yeah. in touch with you on this. If you need support, it sounds like you do have some folks helping you on the legal side, so I won't interfere. But uh, if you need any help, if you want to talk about it in public, if you want to spread the word, come back anytime. Because I think this is much bigger than just you, April. I think many women at all levels of sport, many moms and dads, a lot of people care about this, so you're you're being brave for everyone. You're not just being brave for yourself. You're being brave for everyone. See, I'm, I'm just going to keep fighting. I have a good group of women, and I mean, not just women, but men behind me. 
And um, yeah, every day, you know, something else pops up and I just have to be strong. And I said today, like, you know what, at least I can go to bed and have a good sleep because I know I'm speaking the truth and being a good person. And, you know, the, the truth will set you free. And hopefully someday people will will open their eyes. Well, you're a woman of strong muscles and strong character. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> April, great to talk with you. Good luck. Likewise. Thank you, sir. All right. There you have it. April Hutchison talking about the Canadian Powerlifting Union and their insane new trans inclusion policy. I hope she wins. Stay with us. More ahead. Hey, welcome back. Your letters to me, Jacques9190 says, Crimea, Donetsk, Kherson, Luhansk, and Zaporizhia all wanted to return to Russia. What I understand, they were majority Russian speakers. They were beset upon by Azov. Russia came to their defense. Nikita Khrushchev's Russia gave Russian Crimea to the Soviet Ukraine in 1954. Listen, there's so much history here, and I don't know all of it. But um, it is a, a problem in Ukraine that you have a region that ethnically and linguistically is more Russian. And there's a lot of historic reasons for that. I mean, you saw this in other Soviet socialist republics, the attempt to Russify the other states to make sure that demographically, China does that to this day. They send Han Chinese people by ethnicity into what was used to be called Tibet to dilute the Tibetans politically and demographically. It's just what happens. And one of the scary things that uh, Professor Mearsheimer was talking about was he believes a peaceful but unhappy ethnic cleansing is about to take place where all the Ukrainian ethnic people will leave that region and all the Russian ethnic people will leave the rest of Ukraine. I, I think he's right on that. Um, I just don't know enough of the history. I do know that the ethnic Russians in Ukraine have claimed with some proof, I think, that they were discriminated against, including violently. Um, and that's what the Minsk Accords were trying to fix. Look, I'm not an expert on this. What I was pleased to show you yesterday is the contrarian take of a real expert. And it was important to me that Professor Mearsheimer has a lifelong track record of wanting Ukraine to be strong and free. He was the one who said, don't give up your nukes. Don't give up your nukes. Imagine if Ukraine had nukes today. There is no chance that Putin would have invaded. I mean, that's obvious, isn't it? W. Oak writes, Biden's family and other politicians, plus family members' involvement in criminal financial dealings in the Ukraine, run very deep. EU wants to break up Russia to steal resources. No different to Hitler. Well, it definitely is different to Hitler because Hitler was violent, totalitarian, uh, murdered millions, uh, not only in war, but civilians, including obviously the Jews. Um, Hitler was very hostile to ethnic uh, Slavs, uh, to use a term. So there is a very important difference to Hitler. But it is true, there are people in the West who want to do uh, things to Russia that are that would only happen, that would, that would be an existential threat to Russia. The talk in the West of regime change, of extirpating Russia from Crimea, of... Um, economically devastating the country, the, the language that's being bandied about by some in NATO and the West is so extreme that were those people to get their way, I really think we would be 
in a nuclear war. Uh, the very reason why Russia would never invade a nuclear-armed Ukraine is the reason why NATO can never have a real fight with Russia. They've got nukes. Don't do it. Of course, as Mearsheimer says, the real victims in all this have been the Ukrainian people. How many have died? You know, I saw that clip the other day of Lindsey uh, Graham talking about killing Russians is the best money he ever spent. That You don't want people talking like that. Even if a country is your enemy, you don't want to talk like that. It's dehumanizing. Well, I'm, I'm glad people uh, paid so much attention to that speech. It was very interesting to me to watch it. I'm glad I had a chance to share it with you. That's it for today. What a busy week. Oh, we've got some interesting stories coming out of Ottawa. We'll have more on that transgenderism story. Until next time, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters and around the world, to you at home, good night, and keep fighting for freedom.